Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this lovely, warm weather that we're having. As you've heard, this is the time of year that we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, His coming into the world. And uh, it's no small thing that we're celebrating at this time. We had that movie that we watched, I think it was last Friday, was it? Um, The Why the Nativity? And just really came out just the greatness, the magnitude and the significance of the event of Jesus' birth into the earth. And how it moved heaven, stirred heaven and earth. I mean, there were angels that moved. I mean, the entire uh, universe was aware of what was happening in that little town called Bethlehem. And uh, really, when we think about it, it was the beginning of the fulfillment of all the prophecies that God had made right from the beginning through to the end of Malachi, the whole old, all the Old Testament prophecies. When Jesus was born, one after the other, they began to be fulfilled. And so what an incredible event we are remembering at this time. It's, it's changed the world. The world is not the same because of what took place that day in Bethlehem. And we could really say this, that we are seated here today because of what took place all those years ago in Bethlehem. And uh, just think about it. We're seated here with our sins forgiven, having a relationship with the almighty, everlasting, living God, and having the hope of eternal life. It's all because a little baby was born. And so there's great significance as we celebrate and remember what happened 2,000 years ago. In fact, it's over 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Normally when we consider Christmas and we consider the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we normally consider it in terms of the love of God. And so we will often quote verses like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Um, You know the verse, Whoever believes in Him might not perish but have everlasting life. Or we might quote something like 1 John 4.10, which says, This is love, not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son into this world to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so we look at Christ coming into the world from the perspective of God's love. Today, I want to have a look at it from another perspective. I want to have a look at it from the perspective of Jesus' love. And so that's why I've entitled this message today, The Amazing Love of Christ. Because it's important that we look at His birth, His coming into this earth, not just as being a result of the Father's love and actions, but also the result of Jesus' love and actions for us. In fact, His love... And what he did played an indispensable role in him coming into the earth. So what we see is we see that salvation, obviously, which is uh, brought about through his birth initially, has been brought about with God's love and Christ's love working together in absolute unity and oneness. You can't separate them. The Father's love in giving his Son... But as we'll see today, Jesus' love in also what He did in order for Him to come into this world. So it's important for us to consider 
Christmas from this angle. Uh, firstly, because it's not the result of the Father's love and actions alone. But secondly, also, because in doing so, I believe today, God is going to give us an incredible glimpse into the love of Jesus Christ. The amazing love of Jesus Christ. And we'll see that this has implications for every single one of us. So today we're going to look at our text. Our text today is going to be Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 5 to 8. So we're just going to look at a couple of verses today, and then we're going to unpack these verses. And I believe that as we do so, I'm praying that God will answer Paul's prayer, the prayer that's recorded in Ephesians chapter 3. How many of you know that prayer? Where he said, I pray that all the saints might have the power, the ability to grasp the height and the depth, the breadth and the length of the love of Christ. And that's what I'm praying today as we look at these verses, that we will catch a glimpse into the magnitude of Jesus' love for us and that it will have an impact on our hearts. Paul says that it's a love that surpasses knowledge and I pray that we'll begin to see that today. So let's have a look at Philippians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 5 to 8. So the Apostle Paul writes in this passage, he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And we'll come back to this verse at the very end of the message today. Verse 6, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I wonder today if we fully appreciate who it was that was born in Bethlehem that day. You know, we see and we portray Jesus little baby in that manger, which actually happened. And we acknowledge the virgin birth, and we acknowledge that He's the Son of God and the Savior of the world. But I wonder if we fully comprehend who He really is, who was really born that day, who, was, who Mary held in her arms that day, who she raised, who she suckled, I wonder if we really fully comprehend who He was. Whether we understand that He was eternally existent with the Father. And whether we fully appreciate the part that He played in His coming into this world. You know, when we think of our coming into this world, what part did you play? What part did I play? We had no part to play in our coming into this world. We just found ourselves here. But you know that with the Lord Jesus, this is not the case. He was fully involved in His coming into the world, as we can see in this passage. So let's have a look at this passage and see what Paul says about Jesus. And let's see what he says Jesus did in order for Him to come into this earth. So firstly, he tells us who Jesus was and who He was eternally. He says He was in very nature God. You can see that up there in verse 6. He was in very nature God. So consider God. Consider the nature of God. Number one, He's uncreated. He is 
eternal. He is self-existent. He's sovereign. He is the creator of all things, the giver of life, the sustainer of everything, and the possessor of everything. So when we talk about God, that's who He is. That is what God is. And here Paul says that Jesus was in very nature God, which means all those things that I've been describing there is what Jesus was eternally with the Father. He's uncreated. He is eternal. He is self-existent. He is sovereign. He's the creator of all things. He's the one who gives life to all things. And yet, He came into this world. You really, I think our brains stagger. They, they stumble trying to just grasp us. John says this, the Apostle John says this in John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word. And we know who the Word is. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And all things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing that was created has been created. Isn't that incredible? That's who Jesus is. We see from what Paul said in the passage, He was equal with God in every respect. He shared equally in God's glory, God's honor, God's praise. Everything that the Father had, Jesus had eternally. He was surrounded by the four living creatures that we read about in Revelation chapter 4. He was there with the Father, being worshipped by the angels. Eternally, Jesus was God and was equal with God. If we can just go back to the text, thank you Storm. Secondly, what do we see? Paul tells us what Jesus did. So he doesn't just tell us who Jesus was, but he also tells us what Jesus did. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Paul here is giving us insight back into the eternal timeless past before the world was even created. Before there was anything. He's giving us insight into what took place in the councils of the Godhead. And we see here the Lord Jesus who was with God in the beginning, was God in the beginning, not considering His equality with God something to be used to His own advantage, but rather choosing to lay aside all the benefits of being God, all the benefits of having equality with God, so that He could come into this world and be born as a man. As it says in Hebrews chapter 2, He was made lower than the angels just for a little while. And why was He made lower than the angels? So that He could taste death, experience death for every single one of us. And how long was He made lower than the angels? Until He had experienced death. So He came into this world. Can you imagine the Creator? The one who created the angels is now being served by the angels. He's now lower than the angels. He made Himself nothing. And this is why we see as He prayed on the eve of His crucifixion. It's recorded in John chapter 17 verse 5. We see Jesus say this. He said, Father, now glorify me at your side with the glory I had with you 
before the world was created. You see, Jesus had the very same glory that God the Father had before the world was created. Then he comes into this world and he empties himself of all of that. Lays aside all those benefits, all those advantages. Makes himself nothing. Becomes lower than the angels so that he could taste death. And so there he is on the eve of his crucifixion saying, Once I've tasted the death, I can now go back to the glory I had before. And that's what happened. We see this in Revelation chapter 5. We see Jesus, after he's ascended into heaven, coming before the Father, coming into the very presence of the throne of God, and being glorified back together with God again. And that's where he is today. He's no longer the babe in the manger. He's now the king on the throne, glorified at the very right hand of God. But let's consider what he did to make himself nothing. And, and, and as I said, my prayer is that as we consider this, we will, we will come to gain just a little insight into the incredible love that Jesus has for us. So he says in verse 7, he took on the nature of a servant. Here's the one who was in very nature God, now taking on the nature of a servant. I don't know if we can comprehend this. The one who was very God became very man. The one who was fully God became fully man. Became one of us. He took on our nature. And notice it says he took on the nature of a servant. He didn't come and take on the nature of a king or a governor or a master. He entered into this world at the very bottom of the rung of the social ladder. Right at the bottom. He wasn't even born in an inn. He was born in a stable. A place where you keep animals. This is the author of life. This is the one who created us. He stooped down so low that he was made in human likeness and became a part of us. As he was in Mary's womb, God did this incredible miracle, which our brains can't even fathom. Where the Son, the eternal Son of God, became a human being, entered into a body that was formed and knit together in Mary's womb, and the one who had sp spread the stars out was born in a stable and held by human hands. This is how low he stooped. He was found in appearance as a man, Paul says. The creator, the life giver, the eternal God was found in appearance as a man. And that's how each and every one of us has found him. That's how we've been introduced to Him. That's how we've come to know Him. We've come to know Him because He came into this world as a man. He walked amongst us. He touched us. He didn't come in the form of God, but He appeared to us in the form of a man. That's how we see Him in the Gospels. When we read the Gospels, we see Jesus who became flesh and dwelt amongst us. This is what Isaiah 53 verse 2 says. It says, he grew up before him. He grew up before God like a tender shoot 
and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He laid that all aside so that he could come in and be amongst us. You know, Jesus didn't walk around with a halo around his head. His face wasn't shining like the sun. He just, there was nothing in his appearance, it says here, that would attract people to him. He was just an ordinary man. He looked like an ordinary man, and yet he was no ordinary man. As if that was not enough, Paul goes on in the text to say that he humbled himself and he became obedient to God. We see that in the second part of verse 8. Think about this. He who was eternally equal with God the Father subjected himself to God the Father. And that's why we see as he dwells on this earth, as he moves around on this earth, we see him praying to God the Father. He became dependent on God his Father. He prayed to him as we would pray to God. Bible says that he prayed and offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. This is what Jesus did. Everything that Paul is telling us here is what Jesus did. He completely submitted himself to God the Father. And he even said this, I only do what I see my Father do, and I only say what I hear my Father say. And he came, and he ate, and he drank with sinners, just like you and me. That's how low he stooped. And if that wasn't enough, on the night that he was betrayed, he took off his upper garments, and he took a bowl of water, and he washed the feet of his disciples. The creator of the world. The eternal Son of God stooping down to wash the feet of His disciples. And then if that wasn't enough, He handed Himself over to death. Even death on a cross. When they came to arrest Him, He could have called for ten legions of angels. And they would have come at once. Because He didn't have to die. He wasn't compelled to die. He chose to die. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he pray? Not my will be done, but your will be done. And he submitted himself to the Father's plan. And when they came, he put his hands out and they bound him and they took him away. Why did he do that? Well, John 14 verse 31, he says this, The world must know that I love the Father and I do whatever He commands me to do. He did it, number one, because He loves the Father. He loved God, the Father. But that's not the only thing. Do you realize He did it because He loves us? He went to the cross. He humbled Himself. He took on human likeness. He made himself nothing. He took on the form of a servant. Why? Because he loves us. Do you see Jesus' role in all this? I wonder if we're even able to come close to comprehending just how low he stooped. To be a helpless babe, dependent on a 
human mother and father to come into this sin-ridden world which is under the control of Satan. A world that's so full of the very evil things that he detests. To go through everything that we as people go through. To experience everything that we experience. From hunger to thirst to exhaustion to the loss of loved ones. To having to go through the trials of growing up, of learning. All the pain, sorrow, suffering that sin has brought upon this world. He subjected himself to all of that. He came into this world knowing that he would be hated. Knowing that he would be rejected. He would be persecuted and slandered and spat upon and beaten and mocked and finally crucified. Yet he chose to come into this world. It was no small thing for him to do this. He gave it all up. Put it aside for a period of time so that he could come into this world. And notice this is all the action of Jesus that Paul is talking about here. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. He made himself nothing. He humbled himself. It doesn't say God humbled him. It doesn't say God made, himself, made him nothing. He did it. He became obedient to the Father. He died on a cross. He chose to do it for us. For His love for the Father and His love for us. So that we might be forgiven and redeemed and made whole. So that we could have the hope of eternal life. And this is what we're remembering at this time of year. This is what this is all about. I know the world has turned it into just a secular pagan type of feast. But for us, that's not what it is. We're remembering this incredible love that Jesus Christ had for every single one of us. You know, we could take our fingers and we could point it at ourselves and say, He did this for me. We could personalize it. He did this for me. My maker did this for me. He came into this world. He stooped down so we could be saved. Isn't that incredible? I don't know whether this is stirring your heart like it stirred mine, but I just find this incredible. I know it's difficult for us to even comprehend this. Lastly, as we bring this to a close, Christmas is not just a reminder of God's love for us. It's not just a reminder of Christ's love for us. Let's have a look at verse 5. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Everything that we, we've been describing, that Paul described, that we've been looking at, Paul is now saying we need to have the same attitude towards one another, the same attitude towards people that Christ has had towards us. And so Christmas is not just a time of remembering the love of Christ, remembering the love of God. It's also a time, not just for us to be doing some good deeds. You know, quite often comes to Christmas and people go out and do some good deeds and they remember the poor at, at this time and, you know, let's give some gifts to them. And I mean, that's all great and it's all good. But I believe it's more than that. I believe it's a time for us to actually examine our hearts and say to ourselves, have I been that way 
this entire year? Have I had the same mindset that Christ Jesus had through this entire year? Is that the way I'm living my life? And it's also a time for us just to reset ourselves as we get ready to go into a new year, to reset our hearts so that we will be that way in the new year. So there's a lot going on at this time, isn't there? And this is the challenge that I want to leave with you as we close today. This is the challenge. Do we have the attitude of Jesus Christ, the mindset that Jesus had towards each other? Are we following His example? And just think about how different His attitude is to the normal human attitude. What we naturally have as human beings. I mean, we're not naturally interested in giving up the benefits of our privileged position as he did in order to serve others. We're not interested in making ourselves nothing as he did in order to serve others. The natural human way is we want to make ourselves something. We want to make full use of every privilege and every benefit we have for ourselves. Because the natural human nature is one of selfishness. But when we look at Christ, we don't see selfishness. What we see is selflessness. And this is what Paul is, is exhorting us to embrace. An attitude of selflessness as we go through life. We don't naturally take on the nature of a servant as our Lord Jesus did. We naturally want to be served. We want people to serve us. But look at what he did. He took on the nature of a servant. We don't naturally humble ourselves as he did. We don't submit ourselves to the will of God like he did. We want our will to be king. We want our will to dictate and determine what our lives will be. And we don't naturally lay down our lives for each other as he did for us. And so what Paul is telling us here, what he's exhorting us to do, is 180 degrees at a tangent to what we naturally do. And it's only the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart that can enable a person to do what Paul is telling us to do here in verse 5. And this is the challenge this is where I believe the rubber really hits the road when it comes to this time of year. The challenge for us who confess Christ and who confess the gospel and who are rejoicing in the fact that Jesus did come into this world. The challenge is, will we stoop to help the weak and the afflicted and the helpless as he did? Will we stoop down? Will we be selfless as He was? Will we lay our lives down for each other and for others as He did? In whatever way we can. Can that be a mindset that we don't just have for this season of Christmas, but a mindset that we embrace for our entire life? That dictates and determines how we're going to conduct ourselves in life. Quite a serious challenge, isn't it? But this is the will of God for each and every one of us. What Jesus did is the ultimate example 
of what God wants each and every one of us to be like. And so today, as we come to the end of this, let's seek to be like Jesus. You know, we can have no higher ambition than to be like He is. There is no higher dream or aspiration that we can have. People want to be famous. That pales into insignificance compared to the aspiration of wanting to be like Jesus. It should be our highest goal, our constant pursuit, something that we are always aiming towards attaining. And it should be something that we're constantly praying to the Lord and saying, help us, help me to be this way. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can remember your incredible love, the amazing love of Jesus Christ, our Lord, what you have done for us, what this, the incarnation, the coming of Christ into the world means and has meant and does mean and will mean for us and for everyone. Oh Lord, we're just so grateful that you came. We're so grateful for what you did. We're so grateful for your selfless, limitless love for us. We thank you for it, Lord. We rejoice in it. And our prayer today is that not only would we see your love for us and revel in it, but that, Lord, we would also reach out and have our hearts filled with love for each other and for people around us. Lord, may that be the mark that's on our lives. May that be the trait, the characteristic that our lives will be remembered by. Lord, I pray this today. May the legacy that each one of us leaves on this earth be that we lived selfless lives in pursuit of being like you. So I pray as a church, Father, that this is what we would be. So may you stir our hearts towards this. May you work in our hearts. And may you bring this to pass in us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.